Welcome to CISO's Insiders Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media. Welcome, Richard. Uh, it's great to have you aboard today. Today, I'll be speaking with Richard Rushin, uh, the CISO at Motorola. And looking back at your uh, at your quick CV that I was uh, no well it's not a CV you know lo- looking back at my quick research and notes I see you started your career as a sort of a network engineer about thirty something years ago uh, held a couple of positions as a security architect as well founded your own company <clears throat> did a tenure as a CTO at Verisign um, founded another company maybe. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I kind of did that on a regular occasion for back then when it was fun. <laughs> yeah, and and after that last one you founded, Lock Technologies, I believe that was the name. You uh, moved into into Motorola, uh, holding the Chief Information Security Officer role. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot more to tell. So if you want to properly introduce yourself, that's the great time. To sure. No, yeah. So my name is Richard Rushing. I've been in the security space pretty much, as you point out. Really long time. I'm glad you said 30-something years and didn't make me feel old. The gray already starts to make me feel old in a lot of cases. But I've been doing this a while. And, yeah, I started from the world of, um, uh, of, of being technology savvy as a kid, programming, learning things, and then just kind of just absorbed it uh, all the way up um, on that. That's what I love to do. I let the passion drive me to the direction that I was. Uh, and security was a natural kind of uh, bellwether that drove, hey, this is kind of cool. And no one really, when first started into the network world and everything else, security was about passwords and things really simple. Uh, and then as you moved on to the complexities and everything else, there was always something interesting, uh, fun, and, and reactive to go look at it. And yeah, I've worked for some of the Fortune 100 top organizations, GE, Siemens, Motorola. I've also founded a series of startup companies from Secure IT to um, air defense and, and others that, that kind of drove that was like some area of passion that I found. And I was like, Hey, this is great. There's a problem, uh, came up with a solution for the problem and, 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 and started in companies and organizations, uh, with some of the, my counterparts that I've done, uh, other organizations in the past with. And so I, I kind of came from both sides of the house. So I kind of understand, uh, the world of startups and VCs and everything else, but also understand large organization, global multinationals that deal with the, the things at a scale, which is not the easiest thing in the world to try to do is get security across 170 different countries uh, and multitudes of organizations, different languages, different people, different cultures, and all parts of the mix. But I think that's the fun part of doing security is that challenge and like, hey, come up with innovative ideas, come out with new things, think out of the box, all those things is like, hey, a problem is just 
a solution waiting to happen. What are your thoughts about, you know, the difference between uh, working with, uh, with startup companies or in the startup space as opposed to, to corporate America then? It's, it's, it's definitely interesting. I don't think it's uh, one of the spaces that's, that's outside of that. I think it's, it, it's, it, it's definitely something that uh, is interesting in there is there, there's less friction, less times of things that are there. So the movement is faster. There's some of the other sides that are there. You can be nimble and agile uh, and, and, and quickly do something. But in the larger organizations, you're actually thinking about things harder. You're not focusing, I would say startups are you're really laser focused around a problem uh, that's there and it's like a two inch wide problem uh, that you're focusing on. Here, we're dealing with like a, in global organization, everything else you deal with the six feet wide and you run into things, well, their legacy, the other things that are part of that. And those, those all, all boil into areas where, yeah, there's a lot more complexity, there's a lot more controls, there's a lot more communication that needs to happen and everything else. So yes, it moves at a, people always like it moves at a slower place. And sometimes it's an extremely slow pace, but not all the time. Sometimes it's, you're able to get and scale things really quickly uh, that's there. But I also look at like successes. If I was trying to change the security culture in a startup organization, maybe that's 50 people. That's something easy to do. Now, if I'm trying to change a culture in a security organization where I've got uh, 54,000 people, that's a different thing. And you have to kind of look at the different options and problems to solve. So if you're a problem solver, big organizations are great because they have plenty of problems that you're trying to look at and go, hey, can I make this better? Can I make this a little bit better? Those incremental things that sometimes would get ignored in, in some of the faster moving environments. Oh, it's only like a 2% increase. Uh, that's not that's not that's not worth it. But when you start looking at a large organization, that two percent multiplied times the scale could be a huge increase in what you're trying to do. So I think that's one of the things you have to be a little more patient in the larger organizations that's there. But at the same time, I think it's a much more challenging kind of area to say open up the areas to see what you're can, capable of doing. Yeah, definitely, I agree with you on that. And and you know uh, this. Um, main intent, the, the main objective of this podcast is basically to uh, to have a glimpse into your, your own mind and into the mindset of a veteran CISO. Now, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of listeners are now that that are listening right now might be asking themselves, like, you know, if if there is like one thing you you wish you'd known before you begin your career, what was the, what would that be? I, I I think it's one of the things to say that. Um, I think one of the things to, to look at and, and to kind of continue to go after uh, that was there was study everything. And, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. You really, if you want to understand lots of parts about security and all the different moving parts that are there, it's a ton of reading, ton of communication, ton of knowing people. And I think one of the key things that I tell people today that I, I wish I would have did more of. And I think that was kind of from the generation uh, of my security peers where you would come out and there wasn't the, the you, you had your circle of friends, but you didn't really go outside. 
that circle that was there. You didn't, you, you could have security people that goes, I'm not going to post on LinkedIn. I'm not going to put myself out there because the bad guys are looking for you at the same time. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, when you did that, the good guys couldn't find you either. And I think that's one of the things that I, I wish I would have did more of early on was, hey, open up that opportunity to expand that circle. I expanded it by speaking and doing different things and, and, and conventions and things around that nature. But I think it was one of the areas that uh, you kind of looked at it slightly different. And I think that was uh, that was a detriment to a lot of a lot of people that were in that space around the same time where it was security you kept close to your breath. I remember there was a time when, hey, you can't even advertise what security vendors you use or what partners because that gives the attackers a a, An attack a, a, surface. a surface. Yeah. So hey, you're using these firewalls or this VPN appliance and everything else. The same could be said for today, but the, in the world of the internet, it, uh, I can just go on to any of the internet scanning sites and go, oh, look, here, I can tell you what firewalls you use. I can tell you what services you use. And I think that's one of the things, yes, that information is, you can go find it from HR, employment recs, and things around that. The information's out there. And you shouldn't be really scared to go, I'm just adding to this or making it easier to find. The information's out there. The cat's out of the bag. Genie's out of the bottle. I think from that perspective, it was like, yeah, I think you can get more from opening up and talking with people. Uh, that is the fastest way to find information. Find what works, what doesn't work, the challenges other people's face. Maybe, guess what? It's the same challenges that you face. Yeah. Uh, and maybe they have a different solution. Maybe they have the same solution that's actually working much better than yours. And I think those are kind of some of the other things that often get, uh, I would say, overlooked a little bit that says, hey, if I had anything to do, I would like communicate, find friends, uh, meet people in person, meet people uh, virtually, try to get together with that. There's plenty of opportunities out there uh, today to be able to do that. And I say take advantage of those because the more people that are in your circle, the larger that it's going to be able to do things like in the future, like recruiting, uh, hey, mm -hmm. jobs are becoming really thing. If people know you, maybe they want to come work for you. And I think those are the things that are there that 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 circle and the broader circle that you get in, the better that off that you actually are today versus the other side where I'm just going to be silent, sit in a corner and, and not talk or, or, or reach out to folks. You're, you're kind of going against all the nation state actors, all the cyber criminal organizations by yourself. And that's not you, you're not going to win at that level. And I think that's where it's like, hey, I can get other people. I can get other things. And it's quickly easy to find out about things that are around that. And I think those are the key areas that I would definitely focus in on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in regards in respect to what you said about uh, the genie being out of the bottle, you can't undo social media. It's already out there. You know, yeah. and so you can either choose to utilize it, you know, while still keeping yourself as private as possibly as you can possibly can, or just ignore it. But then you would be missing out on your potential network, as as you as you suggested. Uh, and okay, so and having touched on that, what uh, is there one thing you consider to be your biggest failure in your career? Um I think there's a lot of different ones. There's the Christmas factory shutdown. I can go through a lot. Uh, sometimes some islands that were knocked off the network at those points in time. So yeah, I've 
I've had things. And I think one thing that kind of goes back to um, that, that failure, which is a good and bad thing, was that uh, still employed, so couldn't be too bad, but moved quickly. And I think that was moved too quickly would be the, the counter thing is that you made something, you saw something, something was there and you wanted to make a, make a decision. Now the question is, is it, it, does it come to that, hey, each of those had some kind of circumstances that were there uh, that were, if you want to classify it, hey, things are undocumented, but hey, we didn't tell you that we changed the network providers. So the IP addresses had changed and things like that. There was, there was always extenuating circumstances, but there was not the verification and some of the other stuff. Yes, this is bad. This is really bad. Let's take action now. Uh, that's there. And then inadvertently, you ended up taking the right action that should have been taken at the time, but it had negative effects on that side of it. It's like, oh, the software that, that, that we rolled out or the patch that was supposed to fix the problems and introduced a new issue that was causing problems inside of arenas. Or, hey, I blocked this IP address, which meant that, hey, authentication could no longer work or these things didn't work. So you, you made some assumptions that had another piece of the puzzle actually able to fall. And I think that's one of the things. You can move really fast, but you also have to be able to reverse really fast. It's one thing to drive forward really fast, but guess what? You got to back up sometimes because you kind of overstretched or did something wrong. And if you can back up really fast, you know what? You're okay. You can, you can recover from those situations. It's where, hey, I can't back up. I can't have those capabilities. I can't undo. It's like that little... Uh, Word, Excel, whatever you want to call it, that little undo button, uh, great thing. Hey, look, I overclicked this. I, I just highlighted like 26 uh, pages of, of things that I wanted to change the font and I accidentally hit the delete key. That would really suck to retype that, but I can just go up here and do the undo and it's back. And I think that's kind of the key area that if you're moving fast, make sure that you can not, that you can go backwards so that everything that you do well-documented, you have a back-out plan when you get it. So if things do go sideways or do kind of have a bad impact, you can flip that switch really quickly and revert back. And I think that's the key thing of like, hey, you can move as fast as you able to move, but be sure that you can go backwards at the same time. Because in all my situations, those have always been parts of those, those scenarios where, yeah, move quick, great. You, know, you kind of make a decision and here it is but it's there. I think one of the other things that I've learned over pieces of time is, I don't wanna say get a consensus decision because people are looking for you for the answers and everything else and you have to do it, but don't be afraid to ask, what do other people think? What, what can happen on this side of it that's there? And you talk to folks before you actually make some of those things. I think that's another side of the house that sometimes catches things that you would have missed as part of some of those uh, responses or anything else that you can go backwards with. And I think those are the key kind of areas that are there is like, hey, be able to undo things that are there, move fast, but also talk to people and like, hey, we're going to do this. Is And and yeah, you come up, oh, this is a virtual instance on 
our, our, our cluster, do, do you really want to shut the whole cluster down or the instance down? Oh, no, just the instance, not the cluster. Okay, we're just checking on that. You catch some of those things and it's much better than when you're like, disable this IP, block this host or anything else. You don't necessarily know, well, what's that host running or where's that out? You're trying to take action and you may have that information. You may not have that information or that information could be wrong. And those are things that you want to make sure that you kind of have covered and people have covered it for you. And I think that's one of the key things that you have to kind of look out for. Yeah, but, and it goes back to, to communication and to the power of your network. If, if you want to, you know, get some pieces of advice or experience share from your peers and colleagues, right? Yeah. Um, and what would you say, can you pin like one specific event uh, as like your biggest accomplishment if you look back at in your career? Yeah, accomplishments are interesting uh, that's there. Some people, it was like, hey, uh, got my certifications, uh, did that, did instruction, taught people. Um, but some of the accomplishments you, you, you kind of scratch your head at and, and, and go, well, yeah, that actually worked well. Because you can have a personal side, and I'll give you a great story. One of my daughter... Uh, uh, that my youngest daughter uh, went to uh, a hacking convention with me uh, that was there for uh, uh, an organization called Hack for Kids that uh, does uh, hacking conventions in the Midwest for, for kids to come and learn skills and cybersecurity and everything else. And I, as I was standing there, uh, some people came out and they're like, you need to change your Netflix password. And I'm like, why do I need to change my Netflix password? And then but, but the fourth person that came out and told me that, I was like, why do I need to change it? Oh, your daughter just gave the perfect example of how to create strong passwords. Somebody asked the question. She raised her hand and was like, oh, well, so let me explain to you how you do a Netflix password. We have six people in the household. So we use this letter six first, and then we use the first initial of all the all of my brothers and sisters that are part of this. And then we use the at side that's there. Literally laid it out before everybody else that was there of how to create a good, strong password using those things. And at first you're like, oh my gosh. But then at first you're actually really super proud because you're like, not only did you pick it up, you're able to do it. And we were part of that to go, hey, as, as a 12 and 13 year old, you're, you're able to, to understand these, these issues and problems ahead of time uh, as part of that. And for me personally, I would say that, is, that, was, that kind of had the light on the light bulb and everything else that's kind of like, you kind of actually took cybersecurity and taught it in such a way where your kids are actually understanding it and doing it that, that, that's actually there, uh, which you're, you're, anytime you're dealing with kids, it's a wonderful opportunity to go, okay, yes, uh, I, I've succeeded at this uh, versus the typical fail, fail, fail scenarios that's there until they're, they're 25. And then they go, yeah, okay, you were correct. I'm back that. So I, I think it's one of the things that comes back. That's great information. But I also think from perspectives of that from a, 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 another side. Uh, you, you see it, whether it's your startup gets acquired by a company and organization. So you're, you're, you come to it and it's like, yes, I've succeeded at this. Other times it, it, it's been awards. Other times it, it, it's been uh, 
I've, I've lost numbers of counts for top 100 CISOs and other CISO awards uh, given on an annual basis around that. And I don't think I'm doing anything. I'm just doing what I do on a daily job. I try to provide as much back to the community as I receive from the community. So I, I, I don't think in those cases that, hey, uh, this is something that's there. I'm just doing it as part of the way I feel that I grow and as well as help and mentor other people in the same process on that. I'm a firm believer in the community as being a two-way street and you really get back what you put out for it. Uh, so those people that are really pushing on that other side do get things back in a lot of cases that are a part of that. And I think those are uh, some of the recognition and some of the other stuff is always wonderful to receive and everything else. But I think those yeah. are some of the keys uh, that are there. Yeah. And personally, I think that sometimes you have to be giving back before you, you're getting anything. Um, you know, that usually leads to at some point getting like back. Yeah. Uh, um, is there any uh, piece of advice you'd like to extend for someone who wants to pursue a career similar to yours? Um. I think there's lots of advice. Um, I think it's one of the things that are there. Um, usually the typical things I say, if you're interested in cybersecurity, figure out what your passion is in it. Cybersecurity is so broad, so deep in so many areas that's there. You need to figure out what you're passionate about. Hey, maybe you're passionate about pen testing. Maybe you're passionate about the opposite side, AppSec security. Maybe you're passionate about cloud. Maybe you're passionate about endpoints. Maybe you're malware. Maybe you're nation state attacks, APT, cyber criminals, underground economies. I, th there is so much here. And you, you really can't do it all, but it's all interesting and everything else. And I think those are, those are good things that are there. I think reading things that are true and events that are occurring are fascinating to stuff. I think uh, we always used to understand uh, the kind of the classic know thy enemy kind of scenario. You, you need to know the bad guys uh, as well because it helps you be a good guy. And I think that's the same kind of scenario is look at some of the, some of the true stories that are out there and there are plenty of them. Uh, on that side, and they're great reads. They're not real thick and everything else that's there and, 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 and look at it. And I think it's also one of the things to look at the situation and don't think of it as new. And I, and I mean that from not the technology aspect because that's new kind of almost every single day or maybe once a month or once a week. The technology is changing so fast that it's there, but the problems that exist, if you think about it, it's like the world of encryption. And it's like, oh, man, that's always complicated. People are breaking it and everything else. And that's there. Encryption has been around since the Roman times. So you're like, oh, well, we it's been 2000 years. And we kind of still are in the same problems of people breaking ciphers and everything else that are there. And you're like, yeah. So okay, is that historically the problem? Or is that the implementation or the understanding or why are we doing it this way? And I think those are one of the things that there, some of the problem cases are really, really very super interesting and very long that, that's there that says, hey, encryption has been a problem. It's been a problem since Roman times, telegraphs, other technology has always been that from satellite to other side of it. And it's, it, and it's, it, it's one of those things. So 
take it from a perspective that you can always go back and look how people tried to solve it and get some additional ideas. And I think that's really interesting to go, oh, okay, it, it kind of sends you on different paths that you may not think about from looking at it from just a technology perspective. You take a larger look. But I think that's one of the key things of just find your passion. Don't think these problems are unique or new. Go back, read about the attackers, read about the attacks and things that are there. The true stories are stranger than fiction. The backstories, even more fascinating to this of like, hey, the money mules, the other folks, why are they doing things around that? And, and it, it's really fascinating and it becomes one of those things that drive you into some of those areas. But I, like I said, I think there's so much, but you need to draw into what's gonna be your thing, because at the end of the day, if you don't like what you're kind of focusing in, in cybersecurity, there's so many different things. Go find what makes you happy, because then you're passionate about it and you're happy about what you're doing. You, you're going to have a great life going forward on that side of it that's there because you can continue to go, hey, I love what I'm doing and I, I, I deal with it. And it may not be, I don't like the company I'm working with. Well, you can go to another company and do the same thing and maybe it will be different. And I think those are the key things that you need to always remember. Yeah, and let me ask you a follow-up question on this because, you know, finding your passion, I believe that's a hard one. And um, what 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 would your advice be to someone uh, you know that's just getting started, maybe holding like uh, an like an entry level position? Let's just assume like a SOC analyst or you know whatever that might be, right? Uh, I mean, it might take time to really understand because, as you mentioned, cybersecurity space, the cybersecurity space is so vast and you have so many things, so many routes you can go, right? You can do, you can become a pen tester. You, you can, you know, be doing compliance and risk assessment and, and all kinds of things, right? So, and I mean, you know, you, you only have a limited amount of years to live, right? Yeah. Please go ahead. No, I, I, I think you're like, hey, there'll be people that like to write policy. Uh, I'm not one of them, but I'm sure there are some other folks that, that's there. And I think those are kind of the interesting aspects of things that you can really uh, get in. And I think it's one of the things, it's kind of one of those areas, if you take a look at some of the like CISO mind maps or any of the other stuff and look at all the different areas that are around that, it can be a daunting task. It's like, well, where would I even start? And, and, and some of that. And I think it's kind of some of the areas that you like and kind of some of the driven. And you can kind of ask your question. It's like, hey, do I like PCs? Do I like working on, do I like making them perform faster or doing things around it or learning more about settings and changes and things around that nature? You know what? You might be, that's an area. Maybe I like networking and I like looking at PCAPs and understanding the way and communication occurs. Okay, okay, there's a big area that goes around networking, firewalls and all the other stuff that goes into that as part of that. But each one of those is kind of one, one area of focus. And I think that's the kind of thing. Do you like programming? Do you like learning new languages? Do you like things like that? Do you like looking at bad guys? Do you like investigating bad guys, trying to find the, the thing, becoming kind of the forensic person, looking for artifacts. Oh, it's a game. I'm the, I'm, I'm, he's done something and now I have to figure out what he's actually done or they've done. So where's that at? And I think that's kind of the key area that you kind of have to fiddle with or 
look at a little bit to say, okay, what are some of the big areas that's there? And maybe none of it works on that. And if, if that's the case on, in yeah. some of those, this is where I go back and say, try broadening some of your other stuff. Don't say, oh, I want to be an AppSec person. So I'm just looking at application and programming and instances that are around that. But networking is a component of that. Uh, endpoints are a component of that and, and how they manipulate. So those things kind of go together. So sometimes it's nice to focus in in an area and then just expand out the area just a little bit to give a kind of a different vantage point from the problem you're dealing with. Because I think that's one of the things that comes around. It's like the seven hey, if I go to one mountaintop, I see one set of landscape. If I go to another mountaintop, I can see the same picture, but maybe I have better detail or maybe I see the other side that I wouldn't be able to see before. And I think those are kind of things that you you want to you wanna expand upon to kind of make it. And I think in this day and age with the amount of uh, social media, YouTube presence, uh, other sites that are streaming content, uh, the amount of training that you can get for a reasonable piece or free in some cases is just incredible in these areas. You really can't find that in almost any other uh, responsibility that's out there with the depth and, and things that are there. Um, look for things that are favorite on that side of it. Podcast, find favorites of people. Hey, what's he? What's he do? What, how does he do it? And then think about it. It's like understand kind of the progression in some of those areas. What are you going to do? Because some people are like, I want to be a manager. Mm -hmm. Great, you can be a manager. Some people are like, no, I just want to do sole contributor kind of stuff. Oh, okay, technical side. But those exist in organizations on that. It's the old classic uh, digital fellow uh, that was there. That was like, hey, these great guys are really smart they've created all these patents and everything else they're smart go ask them questions and i remember those and no one no one would ever walk up and ask them questions they were probably some of the uh they would come and sit at lunch tables and by themselves and no one would go sit there and you'd be like you're wasting time with these because these people are ripe with knowledge that you can pull out uh and do uh but it was People were intimidated. People were scared. And in this day and age, I don't think you have to be intimidated or scared of, of technology people that they're, they're in the same bucket. They would love to share that information with them. They're approachable in a lot of cases that are there. And it's, it's part of that. And I think that's where, yeah, if you're not knowing where you want to go, talk to people. How's your, what's your day in a life? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Is that... Those are great answers. They're outreach to people and go, yeah, I, I love what I do. I love uh, OT security and everything else and making sure factories work and, and solving the problems to integrate those environments into a regular environment. Hey, the, the, those are things. Well, you got the other person from Microsoft there that, that, that runs the, the, the desktop support that is like, you know, we figured out how to patch and patch fast because, hey, we get zero days every single week from uh, some of the companies and organizations on that side of it that's there. But those things are, you really have to kind of understand and let it, I, I say it's kind of like being on a lake in a sailboat that's there. You're going to blow the direction of the wind. You can try to fight it. You can go against it. You can do different things. But in some cases, see where the wind wants to take you because that probably is where you, you really are wanting to go uh, in that in that scenario instead of maybe not fighting against it and going into these other areas.
Okay, uh, and let's talk a bit about the role of the CISO, the current role and the future uh, role of the CISO, if, if possible. I'm curious about two things to, to get, your, to get your, your thoughts on. One would be, um, what do you feel about the, uh, the role of the CISO that's actually part of the IT organization? And my follow-up question to that would be, where do you think this position goes? Where, where would a CISO be? Like, how would that position look like, like 10 years from now? Um, uh, we're replaced with a robot now. <laughs> I, 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 I think from the, the perspective, there's a lot of different things that, that come into that, uh, that are, that are actually really good, uh, that are there. I, I think from a CISO perspective, uh, that, that you get into the role has dramatically changed in even the last five years. And I think it's going to change more. I think in the standard side of it that the boards and other folks are really looking directly for things that are directly aligned around business needs, how to talk about it to executives and leadership, whether it's dollars, risk, other different things that they're really understanding. And it's kind of one of those things to be able to translate something that is from a technical side to a business side on that side of it. So I think most of the CISOs as they're progressing in are becoming actually business people more than technical people or operations people that they used to be at one point in time. They are really going into those technical, uh, they're really going into the business uh, field and saying, okay, yeah, I got to understand my business and deal with it. And I think this is one of the things that you see in the world of IT and the CISO always kind of reports to the IT or, or org and anything else. And I, I think if you look at it as a holistic is some people have issues, some people classify, oh, there's a conflict of interest. It really depends on your working relationship with the CIO or anything else. Cause you can have a bad working relationship and guess what? You can go report to the CEO. And if you have a bad working relationship, you know what? Not a change um, yeah. on that side of it that's there. But I think from um, a couple of perspectives on that, that you really have to look at and that are kind of key is that, okay, what are you worried about? And I mean that as a worry, are you worried that you're not going to get funding or you're not going to get budget? Well, then fix that. Mm -hmm. Fix the problem. So if you can't get budget, talk to the CFO and go, I don't want the security budget in the CIO's budget that's there. Uh, simply because, hey, you cut his 10% and I get a 10% cut and I don't need a 10% cut. And the CEO said, you know what? Don't ever cut security. And you will. So I don't want that to have happen. So how do I manage that? And I think that's one of the keys. If you take some of those problems, people... Or, or, or like, hey, you can have these resources virtually, which means part of the time. And you're like, no, I need them full time and I need some of those others. And I think that's part of that. But I also think from that perspective is that CISO, people like to classify it as like, hey, it's a pillar. It holds things up. And, it, and I'm like, no, it's a foundation. It, it crosses. The, it's one of the few things that actually crosses the whole entire organization. If you talk about marketing, marketing's not talking to IT for pretty much anything except for new products and services that are delivered, they're not making decisions on that or not allowing things to do. Security crosses all those paradigms from finance, marketing, sales, accounting, R&D, 
uh, manufacturing, you, the, 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 it crosses horizontally all those different areas. So it's kind of a different organization than what organizations are specifically there because they're all, for lack of a better term, siloed. Hey, I just have this little thing and this is my only window. Finance is not going out and trying to sell PCs or phones or something else. But no, they're doing finance stuff uh, that's there. They're making sure that bills can be paid, where sales are coming in, uh, money's moving around and everything else that's there. And that's different than some of the specifics on the other side of it. And I think that is kind of the, the, the bigger issue that you ran into is that you had a lot of these organizations that were very, hey, we're trying to be a vertical silo in this and I, I provide my guiding principles and here is what you're supposed to build things to and everything else but I don't get my hands dirty I don't kind of go into those areas and I try to make myself look like all the other pillars and I think you're setting yourself up for failure at that point in time because you're never going to be able to generate uh, the requirements that you really want to across the enterprise that's there but at the same time, guess what? You need to be have some associations with all of those executives and all of those people that are around there, which is kind of not a normal process in a lot of cases where you're like, no, I have to go cry. I have to take my span and take it all the way and understand, hey, here's problems all on all these levels because they're all critical to what you're trying to do. And I think that's that's one of the areas that has kind of been a transformation in the last five years where you're actually taking your vertical organization, turned it on its side and said, okay, now we have to go across here and how successful are you to work with those people and understand their problems. They understand your problems, that two-way street I talked about. And then how do I, how do I get them to help uh, is that? It's, it's one of those things that's like you can have a bottom much up approach, you can have a top-down approach, or you can try both of them and see if they meet in the middle. But I think those are the key things that a lot of people overlook is like, hey, an email from that uh, senior vice president or that person or the CFO in the organization to their vertical to talk about why and needs of cybersecurity that's there and in, in that behavior does a huge amount for that group and organization that you would actually have to do uh, versus you trying to build from the bottom up, talk to the people, work on that. It doesn't mean that either one is a right or wrong, but leverage those things, leverage those techniques and leverage those tools. And I think that's what you're gonna run into. I think the CISO that is in 10 year period of time is split into different people uh, that's there. I don't think one person can handle it anymore. Uh, in large organizations. This is why you have, you see a CISO and then you have a business uh, CISO or a BISO kind of stuff where it's like, hey, this business unit has its own CISO that reports into the other one uh, that's there because they're closer to the business. Because as you start growing and getting larger and larger, I really think it's harder to, there's not enough time in the day. There's no. not enough working hours that's there. And so I think you're gonna have some that are gonna focus in on the compliance elements that are there. I think you're going to have some that are, are going to focus in on operations, manufacturing, supply chain, focus on that. And then you're going to have pretty much the kind of classic cybersecurity, incident response, 
uh, management, uh, reporting, you know, structures and things around that. I think you're going to end up with somewhere between about three to five, depending on your organization, of people that are leading cybersecurity realms inside those businesses that are there. Because right now, you're, you, you've seen it. You, you, the, people are looking for people. People are trying to expand their teams. People are trying to go out and find people on those regular basis because there's the need to do that. And I think it just becomes on those sides of it that it's not slowing down. The, the, the internet is not becoming a magically safer place uh, year over year. And I think those are the things that are just coming in. There's a lot of work to do and there's a lot of things that are gonna be part of that. And I think that's where you're gonna start seeing, hey, let's focus on this, let's focus on this because being distracted in cybersecurity not the easiest thing to not be distracted because there's always, as I refer to it, someone running by your door with their hair on fire every day. And so like, do you go out and chase them down? Do you give them a blanket? Do you put the fire out? Uh, you're you're going to have those occurrences that are going to hit and, and do something with that. And those are things that are going to kind of exponentially increase over that. So you're really going to have to go have to focus, have to do this. And this is where you really need to be able to do and take a look at that. And I think that's, those are the kind of the future is going to be much more focused, but much more leadership in those levels and not just an operational piece of it, an actual individual comp component of that, because it, it matches all the criteria to be an individual. It's a business critical need, uh, definitely has the number of people that are associated with it and it's top priority for the organization. Sounds like a whole nother department or things around that nature that needs to be focused. Yeah, and I wanna be respectful of your time. So uh, I, th I think we have time for a couple more questions before we can wrap this up. Uh, and I'm curious about my next question uh, about your response basically. Uh, what's the one common myth about this profession that you wanted to debunk? If there's any like one specific myth. Just one myth? I, there's a bunch. Um, <laughs> no, I, 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 I think there's a couple. We're not all paranoid uh, that's there. Um, I think uh, there's always a myth that, uh, and it's kind of one of the attributes that you, you need to be extremely technical to be able to do some of this. Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I think you can be successful at this if you have people, there is a technical component, do not get it wrong. There is a technical component, but if you have good technical people on your staff and everything else, it's just like there. I think from, a component of stuff on that side of it that's there is um, you got to focus on people. Um, and I think it's one of the key kind of scenarios uh, that's there. Um, and it's part of the same kind of ongoing process uh, that's there. You can have everything from a person sitting across from you uh, that ended up with ransomware on a laptop that lost a year and a half of pictures, um, and that's all they care about. They care about what the, the, their corporate laptop is encrypted, but the pictures are really what's critical uh, to them uh, that's there. And I think sometimes we lose focus on that people area and we come across as like, oh, you don't, you don't care about the people. No, we really care uh, in a lot of cases. And sometimes uh, CISOs or anybody in that situation set up for something like that. Yeah, you know exactly what happens when somebody is like, oh, okay, wait, 
let, let us, we can work on something with this. This is bad, but let us, let us do something. And I think those are some of the cases that you get into that uh, are there. But I think from uh, perspectives of, of that, um, I think one of the biggest things that I, that I saw that was always one of the things was that uh, several years ago, people were like, why can't I sit at the table? Why, why am I twice removed uh, from the board meeting of like, hey, I got my 15 minutes of fame and it's cut to five that's there. And people always question that and everything else. And I think it was just a time effort. Now, not only do you get your 15 minutes of fame, it's now an hour and 30 minutes worth of presentation on that. And oh yeah, you're got the seat at the table. And that means that you have the answer. So when there's a risk or cybersecurity question, everybody turns to you and looks and goes, okay, what's the answer? And you're like, Oh, the business needs to make that decision because that's what they were used to saying beforehand. Oh, that's a business risk decision. So it's there and they're like, you're here. Uh, you, you, when you get a seat at the table, you have to, it's kind of like potluck. You have to bring something to the table uh, to be offered the seat. Uh, so you're bringing your responses. You're bringing your thoughts. You're bringing your ideas to say, hey, here's our risks that there, this is a good idea, this is a bad idea. And they want that decision. And I think that was some of the stuff that caught a lot of people by surprise when they got the elevation. It was like, oh, they're actually wanting me to decide something and I'm trying to be as nice as possible and not. But I'm like, that's why you're invited. You'll be uninvited very quickly if you're not able to make those decisions in that, in that manner and try to punt or move it off to somebody else and go, well, marketing wants to go go into this emerging market. So let them make that decision. And they'll, go, they'll turn it around and it'll be like, well, is that a good good idea or a bad idea? Uh, and you, you have to be willing to make those decisions uh, that are there. I think from another perspective is that we're really now coming into this world where we used to come from the world that was like, hey, everybody but us has these problems uh, that's there. And I think what, what this world has shown us in 2019, 2020, 2021 was that, you know what? Everybody has the same problems. Same problem, everybody yeah. has legacy debt. Everybody has technical debt. Everybody has cybersecurity debt. Everybody has all this stuff that is there. And some people get caught and bad things happen to them. Other people are just on the cusp of not getting caught and like, oh, we're patched just in time or we do stuff. But that time element, I think, is the key. I think a lot of people use different things as part of their uh, look, but time is now the critical thing. That clock and that clock starts ticking and it's getting shorter and shorter. In the last year and a half, you've went from uh, WannaCry, perfect example, the, the, the known vulnerability was patched a month and a half before the malware was actually released. Today, you're, what, five days, six days, three days, 24 hours uh, before a vulnerability is released and they're actively trying to exploit it on the internet that's there. So you immediately went from, hey, this is a month and a half to, wow, this is this is real time. And I think that's one of the things that people say, oh, I have time to deal with this. In the world of cybersecurity, everything moves at the speed of electrons, speed of light, and that's fast. Yep. And you've seen what happens with it, uh, the bad results on that. And I think that's one of the key areas as well. 
Yeah. And speaking about time, I know we're almost out of it. Um, so I just wanted to ask you one final question. Uh, is there any way our listeners and vendors can connect with you in a non-intrusive manner online? Would that be LinkedIn? Sure. Or- I, I, I'm all over social media on that. I won't get, no, I'm not on TikTok or some of the other ones, but you can get me. I'm at SecRich at uh, Twitter. I post daily on stuff. LinkedIn, um, Richard Rushing, you can find me easily mm-hmm. on that side of it that's there. Uh, plenty, of, plenty, of, plenty of functions on that uh, that's there. And I, I tell people, if you want to communicate or want to talk or anything else, especially to executives, most of us are open on those sides of us. I speak at tons of conferences in, in, in virtual environments and everything else. If you see me, it's like, hey, I saw this or did that, chat, anything. No one's going to ignore you in this day and age. And if they do, they're lost, not yours. Uh, so reach out, be out there and, 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 and chat, email works on that. Just be a human. If you send me a bunch of marketing spiel, I'm going to be like, you're going to get spam foldered uh, really quickly. If you go, hi, I saw you, or I'm trying to do something on that side of it. It's there. Uh, I, I, I do want to say that people are busy, especially in these jobs and we get lots of distractions. So be sure to, I don't want to say be commutative, but if you had a conversation and did something and, hey, okay, I'll send you something and it didn't come, don't think that we, 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 we skipped over it or forgot it or anything else. It's probably on something to do. Just send a reminder. It's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know because things happen, things get distracted, and people go different ways on that side of it. But just just be a human uh, on that side of it that's there. And I think you know, the doors will open and things will come uh, on that side of it. And it can be about anything. Uh, people, it's not just about technology or cyber. Hey, I'm thinking about doing a conference. Uh, which ones, you, you've been to this one, I saw you present, is it good? Or these, these virtual environments and things around that. Wonders of things that are there, or where you would suggestions of things. Those are simple answers and things around that DM different ways. And I think that's 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 the thing is that everybody's approachable. Uh, don't think of people not being approachable on that side of it that's there from all the CISOs and all the people that you see on these regular sides. They're really super approachable around that uh, that's there. And I think that's that's the perfect opportunity to to, to reach out and learn something as well as, you know what? I learned something as well. So don't think that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's happened multiple times uh, that's there. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's the cool side of it that's there. Yeah, that's a great insight and it's a bit refreshing, I have to say. And uh, thank you for that as well. Uh, and again, Richard, let me thank you for taking the time and joining me on, on this episode of the, of the podcast today. Uh, I, I'm hoping your uh, insights would resonate with a lot of our re- listeners and uh, looking forward to uh, getting in touch with you in the future. Uh, thanks again for the opportunity, Ben. I really appreciate it. I think it's great and uh, looking forward to it as well. And again, hey, um, always available uh, on that side of it that's there. Thank you so much. The pleasure was all mine. See ya. Thank you. See ya. Bye-bye.